Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Blessings. Message number three on learning to count your blessings. Someone told me that that's no not better way to end the year, Pastor. A year that everybody's complaining and finding reasons to complain and murmur and grumble, to actually look around and see the blessings. Talking with my dear friend, Pastor Wharton, he actually defined me a very good way to know what is a blessing in your life. So you're going to look around in your life and you're going to find that areas that has nothing to do with your endeavors, your intervention. Like you, you didn't lift one finger to make that happen, but suddenly... You have your children blessed. You have your family together. You have this health that you know don't deserve. You have these connections that only God could make. That open door that because of the key of David, the praises in your mouth, you see things opening. You see also those doors that were supposed to close and finally close and no one can open as well. So you can see things that only God could do. Not you, not your family, not your influence or academic achievements is that doesn't have it does have it does not have to do with uh, your connections is God's blessing with your eyes closed by our heads Holy Spirit open our eyes to see these countless blessings that you surrounded us God let us have this thankful heart God every single day This heart, God, that sees you surrounding us with goodness, with joy, with favor that we do not deserve. This favor that is so unmerited that we need a word to define it. And you gave this word. The word is grace. This multiplied grace. This abundant grace upon our lives. And we're so thankful for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. And amen. And that's my goal this morning once again. Is to maybe lead you into this path of learning to count the blessings. Psalm 145, Psalm 145. And we're going to read the whole Psalm 145. But we're going to focus in one specific block, uh, verses 4 to 7. But I, while I was preparing the message for you guys, I couldn't resist to just bring it up the whole Psalm 145. You follow up with me is a song of praise of David. And he says, I will exalt, extol you, my God and King. And bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, 1 generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glories and splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works I will meditate they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness the Lord is gracious and merciful, is low to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. 
All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints, saints shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory of your kingdom. And tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds. In the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominions endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works, words. And kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling. And raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. And kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Isn't it good just to listen and meditate in these beautiful words? Verse 4. It is our responsibility to keep this thankful heart, to keep an, a culture in our homes, in our families, in our church that express this great goodness of God. One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. It shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. It shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. And shall sing aloud your righteousness. Now I know we all come to family, to marriage, to the context of our new lives with some baggage. My wife and my kids, they are setting up their luggage to travel to Brazil. And they're going to have a time over there. And I'm seeing my boys organizing their clothes. And they are putting their hoodies and their, you know, socks with Crocs, right? To dress that in Brazil. And everybody's going to look at me in Brazil and say, what are these weird dudes are dressing here in Brazil? Like nobody dresses like that here. Hoodies and socks with Crocs. Like, what is that? And they are bringing their baggage, their American baggage to Brazil. And probably they will back, go back from Brazil, bringing their Brazilian baggage with Havaianas flip-flops, shorts, right? Just like T-shirts and careless at all for, because right now actually in Brazil we are heading toward summertime. So this is just part of the trip or the travel of life. We bring our baggage. Everybody comes to marriage with some luggage of the past. But it seems that we become more aware of that baggage when kids are around. I, I can clearly see that, like that 
When I married my wife, I said and I promised myself, I'll do everything possible to not bring that wrong misbehavior, bad habit that I saw my father and my mom in their own marriage. But for my surprise, when kids were around, I found out how much of my dad was still in me, how much of my mom was still in me. So it seems that when kids are around, we are more aware how much of our family influences us. So it is important to recognize this family background to diagnose the attitudes and behaviors that might destroy the next generation. And instead of commending the works of the Lord to the another generation, instead of declaring the mighty acts and His majesty, instead of declaring the greatness and the abundant goodness of God, I'm just bringing my family agenda to the next generation, and I don't want to do that. I want to proclaim so many good blessings God surrounded me. So think about in your home how you were raised. Was cussing prevalent in the conversation in your past? In your family, the standard treatment among the siblings were just bad words all the time. I remember talking with a sister years ago and explaining that in my house we we simply don't cuss each other. We simply don't, you know, say bad words to one another. And like she, she was thinking that I was exaggerating, that I was playing the, you know, the pastor role there, the pastor actor, you know, image. And she says like, like pastor, I, I know it's not like that. Like you mean like you never ever cussed your wife? I said I try when we were dating, but she got really mad at me when I call her annoying. And after that, I never crossed the line again. And actually, for me, calling somebody else is annoying was not even a cussing, but she put the bar very high. And I said, it's better I feed on this standard because I don't want anything less than that or lower bar than that in my house. And actually, I don't remember ever hearing a cuss in my home whatsoever at all. She says, like, no, no, Pastor, I, I understand. This is, a, this is a comforting, this is a counseling, but like, what do you mean? I said, I never cussed my wife. She couldn't believe that, that, is, that this is the standard. Like, because she came and she was used so much of cussing and, you know, like saying bad, horrible words, nasty words to her, her husband and listening bad words as well from her husband, that she couldn't believe that it is possible to proclaim the goodness, the abundance of goodness of the Lord in your home, that that would be the standard to proclaim to the next generation goodness instead of cussers, cussings. Was yelling the standard volume measure of the voice in your house? People don't talk in your house. People yell and scream. And now you think that this is the standard? Why you think this is the standard? Was disrespect prevalent there? What were you bringing to the next generation it is our responsibility to command to declare to teach how to meditate on the goodness of God instead of our bad luggage bringing from our old family now you need to understand that family is an ongoing project is a never-ending project like you never stop to build up this amazing project called family. You never stop. 
Now, some young people, they are very naive, and they are like that little kid, you know, that goes in Target and Walmart, and they're passing by the toy session, and they look to that beautiful Lego box, right? And the Lego box presents us this fake toy image. It's a Star Wars ship. And the kid's like, I wanted that ship. They buy the Lego box, and for his or her surprise, when they open the box, there's these random colorful blocks that has nothing to do with that awesome spaceship. And they say, I think it's broken. Something is missing here. I bought it a spaceship, and I found this, you know, pointing Lego pieces. I was expecting a spaceship. But every family experience will experience some obstacles in intimacy, differences in desire, sometimes medical and health issues, recovery from abuse of the past. Like we said, baggage from poor choices in the past, sometimes even involvement with immorality, sometimes a problem with body image. And some couples and parents might even wonder, wasn't this supposed to be my happily ever after? My wife, um, when we still had JoJo with us, she scheduled a photo shoot moment with the boys. And it was such a the day. Like we went to Lake Spark, such a challenge day, challenging day. We went to Lake Spark, and Andre was like high fever day. Uh, Pedro was just like with a... One of his tooth was, you know, wiggling, and Jojo was just, like, learning how to walk. So every, every space was an adventure place for him. And putting these boys, you know, just, like, going and sitting for the photo shoot session was mission impossible. Like, we couldn't make it happen. And one of the, actually, photos that she took, like, the, the photographer Ask me and my wife to be in one focus, and the kids would blur in the back. So we were not aware what's going on in the back. And they were pretty much killing each other back there, and we were smiling, making the, you know, the shot pose and everything. And she said, do this, smile. And I have no idea what's happening down there. Anyways, the photos uh, came up, and my wife took the picture and put it in this photo frame. And the boys are pretty much like killing each other. And she, in the photo frame that she bought it, she wrote it down. This is our happily ever after. Like we are happy regardless. Like this is, this is supposed to be like that. This is not a ready project. This is not a done deal job. This is an ongoing, never-ending building project. And that's actually the fun of Lego pieces, right? Is the fact that you with you were expecting a spaceship. That's true. You can go for that's the standard. Bring me the spaceship. That's the standard. But why not build a horse? Why not build a give me something else? A giraffe or a elephant with these gray bricks, right? I think we match better an elephant. And that's the joy of family. The Lord asks you to view the gift of family. As a gift of building. Far more precious than few moments of joy with your family. You were meant to experience unselfishness. Grace. Forgiveness. Unconditional acceptance. And in this atmosphere. Yes. 
one generation will command the words, will declare, will we speak, will declare the abundant goodness of God to the next one. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender heart, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And this is the point. The grounds of forgiveness is the place where you will build your Lego project. I don't know about you, but I sometimes when I was playing with Legos with the boys, I was always looking for that tab, like the pad, the green pad that usually is, the, you know, supposedly to represent the grass area. And I need that pad to build something that means something for me. Let me tell you something. The pad of our family should be forgiveness. Ongoing forgiveness. But pastor, how many times? The disciples asked. Until there is needed for forgiveness, you forgive. But how? Like this person never going to change. They will change because God in Christ forgiving us doesn't allow us to stay the same. His forgiveness changes us. Family is forged as we seek the Lord through the obstacles that we might face together in life. I wonder that sometimes we think that hurts and hurdles and our hang-ups and struggles of life is, is something that we should, always should avoid. They actually make our, our family stronger. They actually make our family more creative. I have lived enough to affirm that you will never stop teaching your kids. Obviously, there are limits of interference as they grow up. But even today, I ask my father counseling. I'm almost 40 years old, and I, you know, when I'm thinking on business, I call my dad because I don't know anybody else smarter than my father for good business intuition. So I call him. And I still influencing me. Obviously, the decision for my family is still in my responsibility. So I know parenting is inconvenient. Hesitations about starting a family are understandable. The responsibilities of parenthood can be taken lightly. And there is no denying that kids will bring major changes in our individual plans. Before, it was a matter of 15 minutes. You were, both were in the car just going to the plan night. With kids, my friend, 15 minutes is just the beginning of your night. Just to think about coming to, to the to the church is, again, an adventure, a journey. So some might wonder if it is still worth it, this idea of family. Is it worth it to even, you know, embrace the idea of family? It's better just me and my partner. It's better me and this roommate gender different than me. I'm saying this because a lot of couples in the world they are not couples. They are pretty much just roommates with interests. They are just like they are just dividing the bills, sharing the bills. They are not actually couples. So is it really worth it, this idea of God called family? And here's my case that I'll try to defend with these simple verses to you this morning. Psalm 127 verse 3. Behold... Children 
our heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame and speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, I cannot promise you what happened to me. But when I trace back the prosperity uh, in terms of finances and uh, material things in my life, I can clearly track back to the coming of my children. I was married, happy, had my, uh, my place to live, the life I dreamed to be together for the rest of my life. Each one brought their vehicles to the, med, to the wedding, to the marriage. We kept her car was, you know, better than my car. And so I sold my car actually to buy our first sofa. And with the remaining price or remaining money, I invested a, a small um, scooter. So I drove a scooter for almost like three years. I rode a scooter for almost three years. And uh, that's how I learned, you know, to be a motorcyclist. Um, that's a good way to start, by the way. You know, you see this Harley, super cool. Why not starting with a scooter? Anyways, so we're happy. We're going, doing, going good. But we're just like lacking. Uh, we were just missed. The, like something was missing. One Lego piece. One. Let's just like take these blocks apart. It seems that they are meant to build something more fun. It, it, these little blocks that God, God gave and entrusted to us, it seems that they are meant to ex be expensive. Be multiplying and more influential. So I remember, you know, we open our hearts and start the desire to have our kid. And here it is. We, she's pregnant. And in this process of pregnancy, out of nowhere, I can't, I can't really explain how. God just blessed me financially. And I finally could buy our first car. Because remember, before I had my scooter and she had her car. But now we bought it our first car. It was our first purchase, our first asset purchase together. It was such a, an amazing experience. I know for you know, us here in America, like buying a car is almost like buying a, a gadget. Like just go there and buy, you know, $2,000 car just to begin life. But like it's totally different when you are coming from a developing country. Like it, buying a car is a family experience. Like you don't know what it means until you understand. Some of you guys are nodding because you know how painful it was to buy your first car. So we bought our first car. Lives go on, things happen, ups and downs. We move from one house to another house. I think in this time we move almost like eight times because we start to investing and thinking on real estate at this time. And on this process. We finally make this major investment. We're going to get all our savings. And we're going to try building our first house. And when I track back this moment, it was exactly when Pedro came to our lives, our second son. So our second son came up and we had built up our first house. I built up from the ground, from the lot, a house. Now, Joe, Joe, we were in the United States serving the Lord, always living from rent to rent. We, as soon as we came in 2011 here, we were just living from rent to rent, 2010 more precisely. And 2013, Joe, Joe comes up and is when God just overflowed upon my life. And I buy my first house 
here in the United States, and alongside, God blesses me enough to buy other four rental apartments. So I don't know if that's your case. I don't know if that's going to happen to you. But I can say that I'm a radical believer that Psalm 127 is real, is the truth. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Maybe we might be wondering, Pastor, I came here to receive, you know, some, some sort of word. And you're telling me to go back home and make kids? Pretty much. Pretty much. You know. That you are getting my point here. Because there are blessings. Those who think that children are not a blessing should ask themselves some honest and hard questions. Are we simply not open to have children because you are being selfish? Are you overly concerned about maintaining the control? Are you assuming worries and taking on responsibilities about future in your finances? That is better left in God's hand? Are you allowing your choices to be ruled by fear rather than trust? Now, I, somebody is going to say, Pastor, but I have kids. And when young couples come to talk with me, I always recommend them to be wise. My wife was telling me that Pedro, my, you know, my youngest now, said that he was planning to have six kids. And now that he's more conscious about money, he, he brought the number to four. And it's up to him. Like, we're not going to, you know, it's his dream, his desire. Right? But and I do the same, Pastor. Like, when young couples come to me and wonder about raising family, having kids, is this really worth it? Is it really something that should I be involved with? Like you yourself is saying, is an unending, never-ending building project i just want to retire when i'm 40 and i'm not planning to you know be working forever now first my first point here my case is to show you that is a blessing and if you be honest with yourself and look at back how much blessings your children brought to you you're gonna have at least one item on your list to count as a blessing like i i didn't have control at all about the personalities that are going to come up in my, home, in my home. And they are such characters. Like they are totally different from one another. And this never um, destroy or make it hard. This actually enriched our family experience. Pastor, but it's hard because you have to stand as a role model. And sometimes you just don't want to be the perfect father. The perfect dad. Let me balance something here. Someone asked me during this retreat that we had this uh, weekend. By the way, let me hear the shout for the couples that were in the retreat with me. It was such a good time. And when someone asked me, Pastor, but how, how do you maintain yourself always um, active with your spirit stirred up and with this focus, you know, running the race? And I said, I 
create pressures around me. I intentionally or um, uh, willingly create these uh, uh, protections, these fences, these hedges that will push me to read the word, pray, meditate, have something fresh to share. And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, what I mean is I always have a life group in my house. Season, good season, bad seasons, raining seasons, dry seasons, I always have life groups. But no, Pastor, I was thinking maybe start a family uh, weekly service, like a small little church family experience. I said, yes, awesome, start your life group. You don't need that because every Wednesday when I open the doors of my house, when it's about 5.30, 6 p.m., the boys have no TV, no screen on. My Alexa and Google start to play worship song. The mood of the house changes. I have to be ready to receive the brothers and sisters that is coming with the expectation of a fresh word. My heart has to be already focused to share something. And there you go. I have my family service weekday. And it happens. So I myself put me on the spot. And as I do that, I have to have these habits and disciplines that protects me and my family. Somebody said, no, Pastor, I don't open my house for your life group because you never know who can show up in your house. And actually, that person can bring some curses and some bad, you know, spirits and some, you know, bad things and evil things to your house. I actually say totally the opposite. Those hosts that open their houses, because now they have to prepare the homes for the life groups. They usually prepare themselves. So the husband that were really crazy to fight with his wife, oh, he has to keep the scene, my friend. And now they have to just forgive themselves and let's put this after the life group. And for their surprise, the word of the life group was exactly about forgiveness. And at the end of the life group, they are forgiving and kissing each other and, you know, making only things that adults can do. Married adults, you know. So it's much better to have a life group than actually not open your house. And, and this, is, this is, I love when couples and families tell me, Pastor, I just don't want to be a couple. I want to be a family. But there is a, there is a better thing. There is a better, there is another level that God is offering us. Why don't you become an extension of the church? Why don't you bring the church experience to your house? Why don't you intentionally put yourself in this vulnerable place where brothers and sisters will be able to see what is inside of your refrigerator. And this can be literal, what I'm saying. Because if you have the life group that I have, 14 kids coming to your house, inevitable your refrigerator is going to be open. They open my refrigerator. But I'm speaking about how do you really raise your kids? How do you really treat your wife? How do you really speak to your husband? How the things is going on there? I myself put myself in the spot to protect me and my family because I want to build a house. I want to be responsible. I take the responsibility and the charge to command to the next generation the mighty acts, the glorious splendor, the wondrous works. The awesome deeds, the abundant goodness of my God. And I do that opening my house. I do that inviting brothers and sisters to my family, to my house. First John chapter 1 verse 7 says, 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Say a good amen here, everybody. So I always say this, that the problem is not seeing mistakes, hang-ups, struggles, bad habits. All this, there is repair. There is restoration. But better than that, the blood of Jesus is available for forgiveness. The problem is not mistakes or flaws itself. The problem is not walking in the light. So let me challenge you to bring your family into the light. Bring your marriage into the light. Seek counseling. Come and really plug yourself. The next season is coming up, January, third week of January. We're launching our life groups. Find your life group. Plug yourself into a life group. We are pretty much right now, we have just one more gathering. Thanksgiving weekend, then we're going to give a break on our life group season. And we're going to come back in January. Because I want you to put yourself into the light. And those that walk in the light, like Jesus is in the light, the blood of Jesus forgive us of all sins. That's the problem. The problem is not sin or mistakes, but to not walk in the light. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sin, verse 10, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Now, I want, I want to put my family in the light. Because when I do that, I'm going to have fellowship. Now, the word in Spanish and in Portuguese is communion or comunhão. That's the word. Which uh, sounds more, more close to commonplace. So fellowship, yes, is this friendship, this interaction, this life exchanging experience. But uh, I like the word communion there because it, it expresses what I intend to my family. I want to have a common ground where my kids will feel safe and protected and they will love to be around. I want fellowship. And in order to have fellowship, I have to place my family in the light. Let me close this message. Compare two verses in the Bible. One is regarding the love of husband and wife. And the other is the foundation that your family should be built on. Songs of Songs, chapter 8, verse 7. The poet wrote, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he will be utterly despised. I pray that the marriages in this house, couples, husband and wives, have this kind of love. This love that is like a fire. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Hot love. Hallelujah. Good love. Passionate love. Desiring love. This kind of love that many waters will not be able to quench it. Our love for our spouse should be this unquenchable fire. Now, how do you maintain fire? You need oxygen. Oxygen is the basic element for fire, right? When I think about oxygen, maybe I'm not 
doing the best Bible interpretation here. But I think that oxygen is this thing that you breathe it in freely every time you give yourself a breath. And there's no charge for it. There's no, you know, taxes on it. And you simply can't breathe. Oxygen points to the grace of God. It points to what is given free for us. Is this ultimate gift of life. Our marriage needs grace. If you want your marriage to be on fire, bring grace into your marriage. Forgiveness. Apologies. Willingly, willingness to forgive. To walk the second, the third, fourth, fifth. 70 times 7 mile if necessary. You're going to walk together. Bring grace. Bring grace. And let me say something. When the coals are not burning, what do we do? We fan oxygen into the coals. So the oxygen, that, that boost, that, that, that blow of oxygen or air can bring the fire back. So some of you guys, families represented in this place, need that blow of air, fresh air in your marriage. I want to pray for you at the end of this service. We're heading to the, this Thanksgiving time and where family is going to be around, kids are going to be running around. And maybe you need to fan the fire of love in your marriage in your family. I wrote it down that you husband marry a woman to love, not an object to use. You wife marry a man to love, not a financial institution to only bank you. We need fresh air. We need grace in our marriages. Love is meant to be fire and fire needs fuel. So I, I, I think it's interesting that this verse, again, please, song verse 8, uh, verse 7 of chapter 8 says that wealth cannot fuel this fire. I don't know what motivated you to get married with this husband beside you, this woman beside you, but you probably realize that wealth, money, assets, belongings, stuff, it's not the best fuel for marriage. The grace of God is. But the water tried to flood this marriage. The circumstances, 2020, COVID, elections, bad news, being together, locked down inside of the house, really tried to flood this love. But it couldn't. This love was stronger than anything else. And I wonder what could be that sustained that love that also sustained that family. And we have a parallel passage in the Bible, but now in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 7, this is the end of the great sermon of Jesus, Sermon on the Mountain. And Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everybody say after me, just do it. Everybody say it again, say, just do it. Now, you have been blessed. Like, we are together here all these weeks. Every week and you come, you go to your life group, you join us in the service, you're watching us online. What are you doing 
with the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you put in practice, you'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came. I remember the floods. It's the same flood that tried to destroy my marriage in the very beginning, and now it's trying to destroy my family. It's the same flood that tried to separate me and my wife, and now is making my kids depressed and make me really have a hard time with my boys. One thing was to destroy my marriage, and now is the same endeavors, evil attempts trying to flood my house. But because I took serious the words of Jesus, because I really brought it to home, this manual, and I really put it the blocks as God meant it to be, I saw my house being strong founded in the truth and the winds blew and beat on the house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock what is your fuel status money physical beauty social media acceptance this cannot fuel your marriage we all need grace here come on what is the foundation that holds your family together? Family education, experience. Again, money is somebody that you follow in the YouTube or you are just reading these blogs. Is secular psychology. Is secular parenting counselors. Let the words of Jesus be the firm and unshakable foundation of your home. Let me invite you to stand up this morning. As we close this service, if you have your family together, please give hands. If you have your spouse, please give hands. I allow you even to get cheeks together. No, cheek to cheek. And let's pray for our families. Let's pray for this amazing, creative gift that God gave it to us. Call family. And let's see it as these ultimate blessings that the Lord entrusted to us. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I pray today over every single family in this room. Yes, God, we are one generation responsible to command your works to the another generation we say yes God we will declare your mighty acts we will declare the glorious splendor of your majesty we will witness the wondrous works of your hand we will proclaim and speak about the might of your awesome deeds me and my house, me and my wife, me and my spouse, me and my family, we will declare your greatness. We shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness because you're being so good to us. In Jesus' name.